الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء أشرف المرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد طيب regarding the time before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's birth we talked about the area of Yemen and we talked about that which we found from the Quran about Ashab al-Fil and from the Sahih Ahadith about Abraha and what happened in Yemen and how the Persians then came to rule with Wahriz and then after him his son, then his son. Now we are going forward a little bit. We will come back inshallah in today's dars to talk about the nasab of Rasulullah sallallahu the lineage and the birth and all the things. But because it's related to the land of Yemen and what happened there under the Persians, we will go forward a little bit and then come back inshallah. After generations, we talked about the corruption that came in Yemen upon the hand of the Persians. And the Persian king themselves, Kisra, he decided, and Kisra is a title, like that's not the name of a person, Qaisar, Kisra, Najashi, these are all titles. Right? He changed the king now to Bahzan. Bahzan is where we left off in the last dars. Bahzan, radiallahu anhu. Yani many people don't realize that no doubt he was a Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this you can look in Al-Isab of Ibn Hajar Asqalani. Ibn Kathir discusses it in Bidayah wa Nihayah. Al-Dhahabi and others have discussed it. And in the Kutub of Rijal, when we look at the biographies of the narrators of Hadith, and we look at the Tabaqah of the Sahaba, you will find him as well. Tayyib, but how did he become a Sahabi? This is a very interesting, and it's based on Sahih narrations. There are many narrations we will bring. One question we always get is, uh, what book of Sirah are you teaching from? We can't teach just from one book. I mean, one book will not cover all these concepts. Right? We look at Bidayah wa Nihayah, we look at the newer works like Ar-Rahiq of Mubarak Puri, then we look at Za'adul Ma'ad, then we look at the original works like Ibn Ishaq and his student Ibn Hisham, and then you look at those narrations in the Kutub that have the Asani. You go and check the narrations. You look in books like Asiyar uh, Alam Nubila, but then you go back to the Musannaf ibn Abi Shayba and so on, the Muslim Imam Ahmad. That's how you put the whole story together. So I will mention those things that are particularly mentioned in Ahadith and then fill in from what the Kutub of Tariq have mentioned authentically and what is weak. What we find in Zahabiyya and Ibn Kathir and others have mentioned that Kisra was sent a letter from Rasulullah in the Musannaf of the Razak, they have this Sanadan, no doubt to this. And Qaisar, the king of the Romans, was sent a letter from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And other kings, like the king of Bahrain at the time, Bahrain today is an island, but this whole area of Gulf was at that time called Bahrain. There is a book called Futuhat al-Buldan. You can see the, the boundaries of the different areas like Khorasan and so on in those times. Because today we use words differently, like Sham, today is used for Syria. But Lebanon, Urdan, Palestine, this all was called Sham. And parts of what is today Turkey was called Sham. So those kings were sent letters from Rasulullah sallallahu and different kings, they reacted differently. For example, and we'll talk about this in its own time, the king of the Romans, 
Qaysa, he took the letter and he honored it. Whether he became Muslim or not, how he reacted to it, we'll discuss later. But he showed respect to it. And he sent gifts back to the Prophet ﷺ, as Al-Hakim has in his Mustadrak, and things like this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved his kingdom. Kisra, the Persian king, he became upset. He ripped up the letter of Rasulullah And when Rasulullah heard about this, he made dua that Allah breaks up his kingdom the way he ripped up that letter. And you will see that after the time of Rasulullah and the Sahaba, Kisra and that dynasty ended. I mean, the Romans, you could make an argument, are still going on. But at least for generations after that, the Roman Empire, in one form or the other, existed. But the Persian Empire ended there. And this is from the hadith of Rasulullah So, the letters that were sent and things will cover in Sirah when it comes to it. Right now, I'm just discussing Bahzan and how he became a Sahabi, that's why we mentioned it. So, Kisra, when he received this letter, he became upset. The Persian used to consider the Arab like, like nothing, like they're servants, they're nobodies, right? And the Arabs were nobodies. Before Islam, what was the skill of the Arab? They weren't really good in military, I mean, they were good at fighting each other. <laughs> but they didn't go and conquer Romans and Persians and Egypt and these areas. They weren't uh, great in mathematics, they weren't good scientists, they weren't... The only thing they had was they were good at Arabic poetry, which only they cared about, right? What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honor the Arab with? La ilaha illallah. And when the Arab leave this, you will see what happens. Every bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is given through this deen of Islam. When we saw that the Persian king said that somebody from the Arab, these Bedouin nomad, nobodies, they don't even have a kingdom, they don't have a king, they don't have a stunning army, dares to write me a letter. Look at the kibr here, right? Sometimes when you give somebody da'wah, they have kibr. When you are giving them a, something they need. And if we go tomorrow to Biden and Trump and give them uh, uh, the, the da'wah towards tawheed, they should be thankful for it because they are in need of it. As is everybody else. But sometimes people become mutakabbir, and they become prideful. So this king of Persia said, how dare an Arab try to call me towards his religion? These nothings. So he ripped up that letter. And he threw it. And he sent a, a, a messenger to Yemen. Yemen was under the Persians at the time. And Bahzan was the emperor of Yemen. I mean, assigned by Kisra, the emperor of Persians. He was under the Persian Empire. So he was told that, look, there is an Arab and you are ruling for us in the Arab lands. He has started some kind of religion and he dares send our king a letter to Zutuhid. Send some men and kill him. Get rid of him. Bahzan said, what man of the Arab would dare such a thing? So he didn't prepare an army. This was in Sahih Ahadith. He didn't prepare a battalion like he did against yani, the Najashi's uh, army and so on. He sent how many men? Two men. Just two men. Why? Ibn Kathir discusses this. He says, you know, because the Persians thought the Arabs are nothing. They're not going to even be able to stand up to two Persian soldiers because they will be afraid to harm a Persian soldier because of the might of the Persian army. Okay? The people of dunya always think in dunya terms. They don't think about the akhirah. They don't think about the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't take a lesson from Abraha. Abraha was before this. 
يعني the whole army and tanks of of uh, يعني elephants or the tanks of the time and all of that uh, and they still didn't learn a lesson. So Bahzan sent just two men and he told them find this man of the Quraysh and see what he's about and if you see to be upon the truth then bring him back to me. If not, either get rid of him or bring him as a, as a prisoner, it's up to you. And he gave them these instructions. So they went and they heard he was from Mecca. And as I said, I'm going forward in the seerah to explain about Bahsan. We'll go back inshallah. We have to always you know, go back and forth sometimes to cover the spectrum. So here, this was the time when Rasulullah had already made hijrah to Medina. So when they went to Mecca, the people of Mecca, the Quraysh, the Mushrikeen of Quraysh, they were enemies to Islam. So when these two men came, two men of the Quraysh met with them. He told them, what are you doing? He said, we're here because some one of your men offended our king by daring to write him a letter. And his name is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And even if they didn't say the salat ala nabi we should say it. So they said, where is this man? They said, oh, no problem. We got you. We'll help you out. Because they were enemies as well. They said, go this way, Here's, this was the way to Medina, he is in Medina now, and go and find him and, and take care of him, and he's very bad, and he's, we don't like him either, and so on and so on. But the two men said, fine, they headed out to Medina. These two men of the Quraysh, they went back to the Quraysh, and they said, yani, congratulations. I'm going to translate here a little bit. Right? They're like, it's done. The Persians, their anger has risen against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi so our problem now is done. Because and either they're going to kill him, or he's going to defend himself, and the Persian army will come and then destroy him. Again, and he, the, the factor of the Nusra of Allah is always taken out by people. And Tariq repeatedly shows us that that's a, that's a critical mistake. Many empires have ended because they forgot about the Nusra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he many... Before Rasulullah sallallahu we look at Musa salam and the yani, aqwam like the qawm of Lot and qawm of Nuh that were destroyed. Not because uh, Nuh salam, had some kind of atomic nuclear weapon or something. No, he had dua. But he had prepared that dua with such amal and such yani, a clean aqidah and such iman and such tawakkul and such yaqeen that the dua had power. Today, this is uh, something that we are missing. So those two men, they went to Medina. And when they, when they heard about this man, Muhammad وسلم, they went to go meet him. The people of Batil, they always become happy at the ending of Islam. So they, the people of Quraysh were now celebrating. And these two men were there in Medina. Rasulullah met with them. The hadith in a tirmidhi And this hadith, some of the ulama, they tried to discuss the Sanad with Kalam. But as Sheikh Albani in Fiqh Sirah, his career to be Hassan. I myself looked up the Asanid for this dars, and no doubt it will be at minimum Hassan li ghayrihi. Yani it is an authentic, reliable narration. Rasulullah sallallahu when he saw these two men, he turned his face away from them. Why? Because these two men had shaved their beards and let their mustache grow. Somebody may get offended, but the haq has to be spoken, no matter what. Imagine today we have people that claim to be lovers of Rasulullah People who 
make nasheed and you see them qamarun uh, and this and that and nasheed ya rasulullah all these kinds of things that they are saying and this beautiful words of how they love rasulullah sallallahu how would they give their life for uh, but the beautiful smell of rasulullah sallallahu beautiful words but imagine if those same clean-shaven guys had met Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Rasulullah would have turned his face away from them. That's what happened. When these two men came, Rasulullah sallallahu turned his face. He turned away like, I mean, destruction. What have you done to yourself? They said, what? He said, what did you do with your beards? They said, our king, Kisra, has ordered us to shave the beard and grow the mustache. And this is the problem. A lot of Persian Fire-worshipping, Zoroastrian culture has become dominant on the Muslims today. Right? If you go to Iraq and many of these places, you will find in Iraq, in, in, in many places of the subcontinent and so on, you will find people with big, thick, disgusting, over-the-lip, uh, against the sunnah mustaches, all the way down here, food is getting stuck in it, and, and clean, they shave twice a day. Right? But this is not the way of Rasulullah sallallahu Rasulullah sallallahu he turned his face away in disgust. See? He told them that my Rabb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, amarni, he's given me an order to trim the mustache and grow the beard. This is what Rasulullah sallallahu told them. And he told them, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and I will explain the situation to you. My Allah has told me to be patient. So the men went. Of course, Rasulullah sallallahu he used to not do things except through wahi. And some things are adat, some things are from regular life. Like what type of foods you like, that is what he liked, alayhi is his choice. He may not like something you like. And you may not like something to eat that he liked. That is not wajib on us, that is not from ibadat. To ride a camel is not a ibadah. To live in a desert is not a ibadah. Right? But to eat with your right hand, well, ibadah. I need to trim the mustache to grow the beard. It's ibadah. Right? Not to make isbal, ibadah. So some things are ibadat, you should know them. Some things are adat, you should know them. Some people, they push the adat, they leave the ibadat. Because they're jahil. And some people you find, subhanallah, I saw a brother, he was wearing a big, huge green turban, like this big. I was in DC area one time, many, many years ago. They had some kind of conference, I didn't know who they were. I was just there in a masjid. Like huge imama, like this, green. And he had like a card in it. I don't know what the card, like some kind of, maybe green card, I guess. Um, and his thumb was dragging on the floor, like dragging, dragging. So I saw him, and I told him, Akhi, can you raise your thaw? Even though I didn't know him, and he didn't speak Arabic, so and then I had to speak to him in English. He was apparently something, anyway. So he told me, I told him, lift this. He said, why? I said, because Rasulullah, he, he ordered, this is the way of the mu'min. He explained the ahadith to him, and he, whatever is tahta al-ka'bain fin nar and all of that, right? He didn't understand that. But he told me, how come you don't wear, you're talking to me, why don't you wear the imam? So I love the imam, no problem, but what, is it wajib on us? Is it Rasulullah amr? And is it an order on it? Right? This is from adat. Tayyib, we say it's mustahab, because Ibn Umar radiyan's rawayah, no doubt to it. But I told him, you know, Rasulullah never wore the green imam. He became upset, yelling and screaming and so on. But this is true. I, I wrote a book on the imam. Go look it up. Find me a single sahih, even a da'if hadith. 
The Rasulullah wore a green colored imamah, you will not find it. And there is a whole sect of bid'ah, people of bid'ah, that this is their sign. And I'm glad, because then I know not to make salah behind them. <laughs> but this is their sign, right? They've made this their sign. They left the sunnah of the Prophet and made bid'ah their sign. Some people, they have this weird shape of a, a shoe. Which is not the shoe of Rasulullah Look up the ahadith about the shoe. The, the shoe that they have is super complicated. Like you think they had that kind of machinery at the time? Look up Shumayl al-Tirmidhi. Look up the books of hadith. Look how the shoe of Rasulullah was. And now they've made this their sign. This is their symbol on flags, a shoe. They leave Tawheed. They worship Qubur. And, and then they make the shoe as their symbol. Right? So, khair, these men... When they came back, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he told them that my Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused your Rabb, your Lord to die. Because remember the day before, they said our Rabb ordered, our Lord ordered us. And then Rasulullah replied to them that my Lord ordered me. So the next he told them, my Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused your Rabb to die. Because your Rabb dies, my Lord never dies. In the, this is in the longer narration, the shorter narration, he just told him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused your king to die. And he explained how he died, which is that his son killed him. Now, when did this happen? Rasulullah told him the night before. This is from the Mu'jizat al-Nabi, These are the miracles of the Prophet This is why we challenge people with these beautiful, authentically established miracles. And we will go over, inshallah, 3,000 narrations during these durus. Not 3,000 separate incidents, but 3,000 narrations. Many of them are tonight's. Which is, this was a miracle. How could the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't go and check Twitter or Instagram, didn't get an email, nobody, nobody posted it on Facebook. It was impossible at that time for an event to have taken place in Persia and the same night for that news to be in Mecca. So these two men, they were shocked at this. They said, you know what? We're going to go back to our king, yani Bahzan, and we're going to give him this news, this amazing thing you told us. And if it's not true, then we're going to come back with an army. Okay? Go do what you like. <laughs> so they went back to Bahzan. When they went to Bahzan, Bahzan here was shocked at this news because he did not know of this. I mean, imagine the travel now. They got the news the next morning. They traveled to Yemen. So days passed, weeks. Now when they got to Yemen, Bahzan said, I have not heard of this. How could he have known the next morning of something? And I am yani the, the governor under that king. I have not heard this news from Persia. So this has to be a lie. This has to be a lie. At that time, the uh, riders from Persia, they came and they just brought the hot news. They said, the king is dead. And the son of the king is the one who killed him. And he sends this message that you served my father. So serve under me as you served Persia under my father. My father is dead. I killed him. This is what happened. Bahzan was shocked. He said, there is no way that a man in Mecca, could have known this the next morning. We just found out. So here, he believed in the Prophet ﷺ. Before I move, uh, just because we were on this subject, there is a word khuda. Anybody heard this word before? Khuda. Khuda hafiz. Khuda This word 
Many people use it for Allah. Khuda for Allah. But this is incorrect. This is not correct. I know, I've read Islam QA too. Calm down. Don't think you looked it up before me. But Islam QA is wonderful of a website. It is, may Allah reward all those that work for it. It's not a teacher. This is just a reference site. The word Khuda, it has come from before Islam, from these Rastrians. And the Zoroastrians used to use it for uh, Ahura Mazda. I may have mispronounced that. May Allah can correct me later. Okay? But Ahura Mazda was a particular deity. And there was a time that the word Khuda was only used for this false god. Later it became a, yani a, a term that would be used for other deities. But it is no doubt not a term that is befitting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it can be used for other than Allah. Even today you will find in poetry it being used for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us so many asma al-husna. And he told us about many that we don't know about, but many that we do know about. In the Quran, in Sahih Ahadith, I think we covered more than 114 during our Aqidah Durus, only from the Quran and Sahih Ahadith. That 99 is just one hadith about the fada'il of 99. There are more. Have we run out of them? Like the word Allah, ni'udhu billah, has become boring to us or what? Why can't we use the word Allah? What a beautiful name. Cannot be given to other than Allah. What a beautiful meaning contains all of la ilaha illallah in it. What this could be from the asma of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is the most beloved, it is the most used. It could be Ismul Azam, the one that you, if you make dua, Allah does not reject the dua. And this is many, the qual of many of the imma and ulama. You find this throughout the Quran and Sahih Ahadith. Why leave it? And people quote Ibn Taymiyyah's qawl. Ibn Taymiyyah is not justifying the use of Khuda. He said Allah is remembered in many languages and he mentioned the word Khuda, that people remember Allah by it. But he did not say it's permissible. People misquote and misunderstand because they don't understand the way of writing of Shaykh al-Islam, Taqiyuddin Ibn Taymiyyah. Rather, what is correct is Khuda is not permissible to be used in place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, the word Allah or Ar-Rahman or Rahim or Quddus or yani, Ghafoor or any of the beautiful names of Allah. Use them. Allah has told us about them. Why make up a name from the people of shirk that can be used for other than Allah that, that denote shirk before even the word God? We should not use the word God except and if you want to just give da'wah to somebody who doesn't know the concept of Allah. There you can explain it using that word until you're able to explain it to them. Tayyib. Bahzan realized that Rasulullah was a true prophet. So he sent his messengers back. And what we find by Ibn Kathir and others that they said, no doubt he accepted Islam. Many of the ulema of Islam have mentioned his sending gifts and, and messengers back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi And Hakim has this in his Sahih and others, in his Mustadrak, and so on. Other ulema, like Ibn Hajar, actually mentions that Bahzan himself went back to Rasulullah sallallahu and he accepted Islam and he saw the Prophet sallallahu And that's why he is counted not amongst the Tabi'un, but amongst the Sahaba. Right? Awais al-Qarni, he was alive in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu He was Muslim, but he didn't see Rasulullah sallallahu So he's considered a tabi'i, even though he was there. And of course, he has his fadail. Rasulullah mentioned his fadail. But here, Bahzan is mentioned that he actually saw Rasulullah sallallahu 
and many of the Persians under his command, they became Muslims. Abdu'l-Habi has a narration, which I didn't find Sanadan, but yani, he mentions it under Tariq. He said the, the Persians, they, they, when they became Muslim, they saw the Muslims had two camps. Yani, there were the people of Hijra, Muhajireen, and there were the people of Nusrat, Ansar. People of Mecca, they were Muhajireen, and the people of Medina were Ansar. So they said, Min man nahnu? Yani, Where are we? We're Persians. We're not Arab. We're not from Quraysh. We're not from Mecca. We're not from the Ansar. Here Rasulullah said, وَأَنْتُمْ مِنْ أَهْلُ الْبَيْتِ This is a narration mentioned by Al-Dhahabi. As I said, I did not find this Sanadan. What I did find Sanadan is the narration about Salman al-Farisi. When the people were talking about where is Salman al-Farisi, he's not from any of the Qabail of the Arab talking about their lineage. Rasulullah mentioning that Salman minna huwa min ahlu al-bayt. But this narration marfu'an has some weakness in it as well. Rather, what we find authentically is this is established from Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu when he was asked about Salman al-Farasi and amongst other fadail, he said Salman min ahlul bayt. And this is mentioned uh, by al-Hakim in his Mustadrak and al-Tabrani in his Mu'jim and al-Haythami in Majma al-Zawahid and al-Sheikh al-Bani, he considered it to be uh, authentic, mawqoofan, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. But what, what is the lesson we take from this? Is Salman al-Farisi from Quraysh? No. Is he from uh, the blood relatives of Rasulullah sallallahu But even Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyanhu is saying he is from Ahlul Bayt. Which shows we do not have nationalism in Islam. Abu Lahab. Is he from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu Is he not from Quraysh? Is he not from Banu Hashim? Is he not related DNA-wise from Rasulullah sallallahu Does anybody consider him Halul Bayt? No. The ilaqa here, the, the connection is that of Iman. Yes, those that are actually from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu and they became Muslim, and they are like, for example, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu and Fatima radiyallahu anha, and Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma, and Abbas, his father. We love them, we make ihtiram of them, we love Ahlul Bayt, we love the, the Al-Nabi alayhi salatu salam, we love them, wallahi we love them. But we love them because of their iman. Just nasab will not get you anywhere. Otherwise, where is the son of Nuh? Where is the father of Ibrahim? Where is the wife of Lot? La, iman. This is the key ingredient. Tayyip. This was a tangent, but I think it was a beneficial tangent to understand about Bahzan. Going back to the subject at hand, which is the birth and coming of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I mentioned that we will discuss the nasab or the shajar or the tree of the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born and given the name Muhammad and we haven't discussed the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that is coming. I'm just discussing this to go back to an earlier discussion. And his father, yani he's Ibn Abdullah. Ibn Abdullah. Abdullah is the name. But when we have Ibn before, it becomes Abdullah. Why? Where's my Nahu students? Mudaf Mudaf What if you said Abu Abdurrahman? Wala Abdurrahman wa Abdurrahman? Abu Abdurrahman. Limada Mudaf Mudaf Wa Ab min Asmal Khamsa. I want to keep the students on their toes. 
طيب ثم محمد ابن عبد الله ها ابن and then the son of Abdul Muttalib the father of Abdullah the grandfather of Rasulullah Abdul Muttalib who was the son of Hashim طيب Hashim is not his real name Hashim's real name is what لا ها عم لا where are we Anybody? Tayyib. We will get to Hashim, inshallah. Abdul, he is the son of who? Abdul Manaf. What's Abdul Manaf's real name? Al Mughira. Al good, mashallah. Who is that? That's good, mashallah. Tayyib, who's his father? Qusay. Huh? mashallah. Excellent. His father? Man, you are good. His father? Murmat. His father? Khalas, you passed already. His father? Mashallah. His father? His father? Man, you want to teach? His father? La. One skipped. Fih. You said it? Okay, khalas. Then after his father? Malik. Excellent. His father? Excellent. His father? His father? His father? La. Mudrika? Excellent. His father? His father? Excellent. His father? His father? His father? Man, you are. MashaAllah. Barakallah. This is the kind of students we need. Tell you, for the benefit of the camera, I will repeat it again. So, we have Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is the son of Abdullah. I said Abdullah because I didn't put Ibn before it right now. Tell he is the son of Abdul Muttalib. He is the son of Hashim. He is the son of Abdul Manaf, he is the son of Qusay, the son of Kilab, the son of Murrah, the son of Ka'ab, the son of Luay. By the way, Ka'ab ibn Luay. You know, many of the A'imma and ulama they wrote that he is the first one to use the word Jum'ah for Yom al-Jum'ah. There's a very interesting discussion about where the name Jum'ah came for the day. Some of the A'imma said this was not there before Islam. Because this was the name given. But some of the A'imma said he's the first one, although I did not find the Sanad, this as a side note. Tayyib. Why did they call it Jum'ah though? Ka'ab uh, ibn al-Lu'i. Because this is the day, according to him, and I did not find the Sanad then, that the Quraysh would gather to t- have the tazkirah to remind them that there will be a Nabi, akhir al-Nabi coming in their, sun, in their generations. But again, this is in the Kutub of Sirah, Dun al-Sanad. Tayyib. Ka'ab ibn al-Lu'i, ibn Ghalib, ibn Fahr, which is, Fahr is the one that Quraysh is mentioned after and this is mentioned by Al-Baghawi, Ibn Al-Qayyim, Ibn Hazm, and Ibn Hibban, as mashallah, they already mentioned. He's the son of Malik, the son of uh, Nadr, who's also, whose actual name is Qais, uh, son of Kinana, son of Khuzayma, son of Mudraka, son of Ilyas, son of Mudr, son of uh, Nizar, uh, and he is the son of uh, Ma'ad, uh, and then he is the son of Adnan. Up to here, we have the Sanad Sahih, with Sahih Asani. But when I say that, I don't want people to get carried away. It does not mean that we don't know the lineage past this. But up to here, as Ibn Hajar has mentioned in Fath al-Bari, and Al-Tabrani has also mentioned that uh, with Asanid, Tabrani, Ibn Hajar references Tabrani's work. Tabrani mentioned it, the Isnad Jayyid, authentic Jayyid. From who? Do you know who is the one that mentioned this? Aisha radiallahu anha. 
Aisha radiyallahu anha. Those that curse Aisha radiyallahu anha, I don't know where they get their knowledge from because all of this comes from Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha. So she mentioned the Sanad and she was from the ulama or the scholars of Nasib, as was her father Abu Bakr and other Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. They were expertise in lineage and qaba'il of the Arab. So she mentions this in a Sahih narration. Now, no doubt that the generation here goes past that to Ismail والسلام, because of the narration in Sahih Muslim that Rasulullah told us that in Allah, verily Allah istafa kinana, yani the, the qabila of kinana min uh, walad or awlad Ismail from the children of Ismail and al Quraysh from kinana and from the Quraysh uh, Banu Hashim and from Banu Hashim Allah chose me. Uh, and this is something mentioned in Sahih Muslim. So that marfu'an connects the Prophet ﷺ with Ismail ﷺ. So the next uh, generations that go on to Ismail ﷺ and Ibrahim ﷺ have also been mentioned with a hadith. And even if there is some kalam on the asaneed, they are established because they are supported by these Sahih ahadith. But there is khilaf ulema sometimes in certain generations past that. And then from uh, Ibrahim to Adam are the weakest of the narrations. And those are mostly from Israeliyat and so on. But we do know that this was something that يعني, the Sahaba understood the lineage and they supported and understood this. Tayyib. Abdul Muttalib, his actual name is Shayba. Shayba was his actual name. We'll talk about how he was, got to be known as Abdul Muttalib. Uh, Abdul Munaf, his name is Mughayra. And Fahra was known as Quraysh for gathering the Quraysh together and their strengths. Nadr, his actual name is Qais. And Mudrika, his actual name is Amr. Uh, these are just some things for you to benefit from regarding the lineage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How did we get to where we were? At the time of Qusay. Qusay is the, uh, and we mentioned him from the uh, grandfathers onwards of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Where we had left off in the seerah was that the Khuza'a Qabila had taken Mecca from Jurham. Jurham had been defeated, Khuza'a had taken, and, and Jurham had hidden the well of Zamzam. Zamzam was lost at this time. So at this time, Qusay was known to be a very intelligent man. Rasulullah has told us that nobody from the lineage of Rasulullah has been born from zina. Yani all of the, from Adam السلام, all the way to Rasulullah وسلم, everybody that is from the lineage of Rasulullah وسلم, that Rasulullah is from that lineage coming down, yani from the ancestors of Rasulullah وسلم, were all honorable. Does not mean that they were all on tawheed. Yani, but they were people of honor because Allah would not bring the Nabi from a, يعني, a, a product of zina. Tayyib. So here Qusay was very honorable. He was known for his honor and he was known for his intelligence and he was known to be a very hospitable host. This is from the sifat of the Arab. Diyafa, يعني, they, were very, uh, they were generous hosts. They were very good at uh, being good to travelers and so on. So Qusay, he gathered the Quraysh and he said, we should fight the Khuz'a, Qabila, and free Mecca from them. I and mean, why do we have a foreign power ruling over us? And, and they are I mean, doing zulam. Obviously, when you have an occupying force in your country, no doubt they will do things that you will not be pleased with and so on. So he gathered the Quraysh and they fought 
the the Khuzaa'ah Qabila under the leadership of Qusay, and they defeated them and freed Mecca from them. Here now, Qusay became the de facto leader of Mecca. Mecca and the Arab didn't have a kingdom system. They didn't have a king, but they would have leaders and elders, as Abdul Muttalib will become later, as we'll discuss. Qusay became known for being very generous. He would give water and whatever he could from food and things to the Arab who would come to perform Hajj. And he had four sons. At the time, they didn't have hotels and restaurants. This was something yani, that would be found shameful even in the time of the Salaf. And when you look at Jarr al-Ta'adil, if somebody was known to eat outside, not at a, as a guest and not in their house, outside on the streets, they would, they would make him weaken in hadith because it was seen as khalif al-adab. Today, I mean, we go out, today, Mecca and things, it runs on restaurants and hotels, but the Arab, at that time, they loved to host the hujjaj. So, he wanted to continue this trend, but he knew that he would have to hand this over to somebody. So he had four sons. One of them was known as Abdul Munaf, and we mentioned his real name is Al-Mughir. Tayyib. And Abdul Dar, and Abdul Uzza, and Ali. These were four sons of Qusayn. Abdul Munaf was the most honored of them. The Quraysh honored him. He was the most intelligent of them. He was the most honorable of them. And he was the one that would go out of his way to respect and take care of the Hujjaj. But Qusayn was afraid that his other sons would left, get left behind. So his weakest of sons, the least honored of them, the least intelligent of them, Abdul Dar, he made him the chief. Yani, he put him in his place because he said, my other three sons already have their own wealth. They already have established their own honor. But this one, he's weak. So if I put him in this leadership role, then he will yani, uh, be respected by the Quraysh. But the most respected of them, even after Abdul Dar, became the uh, leader in place of his father was Abdul Manaf. Abdul Manaf yani, was respected and honored by the Quraysh. And at this time, when the Quraysh wanted to uh, honor their, their guests, yani, the people of Hujjaj, they would give them water and they would try to give them of food and clothing of what they could. But yani, the food and things was very simple at that time. Abdul Munaf, he had then four sons of his own. One of them, his name is Hashim. Hashim, we'll get to know him well. And his name is Amr. His real name is Amr, but he was known as Hashim. We'll explain why. We have Muttalib, and we'll talk about Abdul Muttalib and how that got to be. And then there's Abd Shams yani, and Nawfal. These were the four sons of Abd Munaf. From the children of Abd Munaf, the most honored of them amongst the Quraysh was Hashim. And from him comes the sub-clan, Quraysh, and then the sub-clan of Banu Hashim, where Rasulullah sallallahu will come from. His name was Amr. Why was he called Hashim? Because he wanted to take duyafa or, or the serving of the guests to the next level. So what he would do is he would not just serve them food, but he would break up the food to make a soup-like dish for them, which at that time was like five stars, as we could say in our times. At that time, they didn't have like, you know, today we have food, we have 
يعني رايس اند سالن اند صوص اند ميت اند كبان اند وات ايفر فلافل اند ذس اند ذات ات ذات تايم فود واز سمبل يعني سم تايم جست ديتس اند واتر سم تايم جست بريد اند واتر اند سو اون So when he would break it and make it into something more, they took it to be a great honor for the guests. And Hashim became the most honored of the people of Quraysh. And he wanted to get married, so he wanted the most honorable of women. Even though this is Jahaliyyah, but everybody respects those that carry themselves in a dignified manner. You know, subhanAllah, I have never drunk alcohol in my life. Even though, as if you know my life, there was a time when I was very far from the religion, but I never touched alcohol in my life. And I'll be very honest with you, it was not because of the religious boundaries when I was growing up, because many of those I was not clear about myself. But when I was very young, I saw somebody drunk. And when I saw them drunk, they urinated on themselves. I, mean, I was maybe in elementary school at the time. And I saw a man drunk, urinating on himself, and I thought to myself, I never want to be like that. So, even in the time of Jahaliyyah, many of these people, they wanted to live an honorable life. So he found a woman named Salma. Salma was from the people, was a, was a woman from Medina. And that is why the, the part of the, the ancestry of Rasulullah also connects with the Ansar. Salma was such an honorable and such a uh, sought after woman for her intelligence, for her dignity, that... people would come from other cities and she would put very hard conditions on them. One of the conditions she put, interestingly, and this is before Islam, so there's not a shari'i condition, but she said the haqq of talaq will be in my hands. <laughs> the right to divorce will be in my hands, not in my husband's hands. And because she was so sought after that Hashim, he agreed to this and he married her with, with this condition. From the children that she had, the one that we know about authentically was one son named Shayba. Shayba was born in Medina to Selma from the children of uh, Hashim. Hashim, to find rizq, to find his sustenance, he was a tajir. The people of Mecca were in tijara, they were not farmers. So he went out for tijara to Yemen and to Sham and to these areas and he died in Gaza. Gaza, well known. a discussion of ulama which one of the places called Gaza is this and so on but he died in Gaza according to ulama of tarikh so when he died the son Shayba was left with the mother because he never returned to take his wife and son they were living in Medina Shayba was raised in Medina amongst the Ansar uh, by his mother and in a very honorable way but as we mentioned Abd Munaf had four children one of them was Muttalib remember Muttalib became the de facto elder of the Quraysh after the death of Hashim. But Muttalib loved Hashim. He loved his brother and he realized the honor and the dignity that his brother brought. And he brought, and the Arab had this idea that from an honorable father would come an honorable son. They had this idea in their head. So for this, they went, he went to Medina to find his nephew. And now at this time, Shayba was يعني, uh, not a grown man, but he was what we would today consider in his teens. Right? And he told Salma that I want to take him back to Mecca so he can be from the leaders of Mecca as is his right. Salma did not want her son to go because she raised her son, she loved her son, she gave him tarbiyah and so on. So she did not want to her son to be away from her eyes. 
But Shayba got permission from her, from his mother, because of the religious responsibility that he felt that serving the Hujjaj had upon him. Even in Jahiliyyah, the Arab from Mecca, they, they took it to be a religious and an honor, a responsibility to make ikram for the Hujjaj and the people coming for the holy pilgrimage. So Shayba here, he went back with Abdul Muttalib, and he went Muttalib to Mecca. When he was entering Mecca, and we know this through authentic narrations, he was with his uncle on the same camel. And he saw this young, mashallah, physically strong man coming. And the people of Mecca did not know who he was, because he was not raised in Mecca, he was raised in Medina. So they said, oh, Muttalib has brought a abd for himself. He has bought a slave for himself, and he looks like a very strong and honorable. So he started seeing Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib, the slave of Al-Muttalib. Muttalib told him, it's not my slave. <laughs> this is my nephew, he's going to be your leader. Right? But the name stuck. <laughs> so Shayba here now became known as Abdul Muttalib. Yani now Abdul Muttalib, he entered Mecca and he saw that the people of Mecca were in great need of water and he saw that there was no Zamzam. And at this time, yani, uh, Muttalib died, and Shayba Abdul Muttalib became the leader of Quraysh. And the rest will be next Saturday, inshallah ta'ala.